0: Hello there. We would be honoured if you would
1: join us. Spark of Rebellion. Hey there, welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars podcast that brings you news, views, and this week, reviews of Andor episode 10. I'm your host, Mr. Mark Asquith, and in just a second, I'm going to introduce the... Artificial part of the intelligence of this show, actually. I think he's the artificial to my intelligence, which is absolutely not true. If you've met Gary, you will know that he is completely, genuinely intelligent. I'm going to bring him on in just one second, but first of all, I'm going to give you a little pitch. Imagine yourself driving along in your car and you're listening to your favourite Star Wars podcast. That is absolutely this one. And you think to yourself, do you know what? I can see down there that I've got a quid change from the old car wash. What am I going to do with that quid? I'm going to turn it into Bitcoin, and I'm going to send it to my two favourite podcasters. Well, I've got some good news and some bad news. We'll take your quid, but we do not accept Bitcoin. What we do accept is Patreon. sparkerrebellion.com slash Patreon is where you can get involved and support us just by giving whatever you want. Just chuck us a quid and we'll send you some stickers to stick on your laptop and to take selfies with. And... If you want to get involved in the banter, because of course it's not only witty, but it is constant, you can do so at sparkerebellion.com forward slash Twitter. All right, it's time. If I had a drum roll, I would do it, but I don't have a drum roll. So I'm just going to bring him straight on with no fanfare. It is, of course, Mr. Gary Hale at all right, mate. All right, mate.
0: I'm what disappointed that we don't have a drum roll sound effects. Probably copyrighted, isn't it? It's probably cop- yeah, you're right. Some oh, YouTube, uh, drum. some YouTube content creators that get strikes on their videos for a, one chord when they're doing tutorial <gasps> videos. It's pretty crazy. <sighs> so drum rolls, mate. Yeah, double stroke, of course, and uh, lead into it. The old symbol crash at the
1: end, it's cheesy, <clears> but one yeah. of them. I like mm-hmm. a good classic drum fill. Me, eh? just a digga 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 bang. You don't hear that often enough. Like the first one you learn, you'll know. Being a drummer. First one you learn at school, isn't it?
0: That is. yep. Yeah, you go yeah, round the toms and then you finish on the the bass and the cymbal crash together and then you're back in. Para diddle. Diddle my para. Mm-hmm. Para diddle. Yay. Yeah, it's really good. If you wanna if you wanna show a little bit, if you wanna flex a little bit, people are come around to see your gig, do the para para diddle. That'll Oof. throw them.
1: Oh that'll throw em. How many paras you got?
0: Two? You? One? It's my decision to do the para para, yeah?
1: I thought you were going to do the though. No. Darby. No, no, no. Too obvious. All mm. right, we're back in the saddle. We're going to review Andor episode 10 in just one second. But uh, what you done this week in Star Wars? you done anything? Uh, Star Wars, we watched another couple of eps of
0: uh, Rebels, which is very cool. And um, not Star Wars related, but I had a little cry yesterday. Kevin Conroy left us yesterday. I'm freaking gutted about that, mate. I'm feeling properly down about it as well. Like it yeah, doesn't I come that, across mate. this way because we're pro podcasters and want to be upbeat and talking about Star Wars, which is all good. But it hit me, mate. It really did hit me. So yeah. No Star yeah. Wars stuff other than that.
1: I hear you, mate. I was uh yeah, I was the same. I mean it's tenuously Star Wars related, given Mark Hamill's the Joker. And we saw a nice post from from Mr. Hamill on the old Instagram and the Twitter. But yeah, what a shock, man. At sixty six years old. I was I was very surprised. I'm I'm playing Arkham Knight as well at the minute. Um so it's it's fresh. I mean, what it, well, it's no age whatsoever. But he caught he's 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 like legitimately Batman for an entire generation. The best Batman that there has possibly ever been because he just gets the character and just everything about it is 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 brilliant, man. So what a shock, dude! What a shock. Yeah, he was legit
0: Batman as well, dude. Like legit knew the character mm. inside and out. So yeah, shame, man. But just you know, really watch a load of. Uh, Animated Batman. I might play Arkham Knight again, you know, classic game, That really good.
1: It is good. It is good. I'm, I'm, I'm smashing through it. I've not played it for a while. I'll tell you what's interesting. I started it last week. So I got the old cloud game and as you know, I went to an event for work. So I bought one of those little like five quid clips that go on the controller and you can put your phone in and play the cloud gaming. And uh, it's brilliant. Like I'm sure you've played it. It's just, it's quick. It works. It's just brilliant. Right. So I started uh, Arkham Knight again and... I've probably not played an Arkham game since Origins, and I, but I blitzed all three of them, as I know you did before uh, Arkham Knight came out. And man, it's just, it's like riding a bike. Like a th- probably four minutes in, I'm like, right there, all the controls, that's that. It's mm. just like riding a bike. That's that's how much they got hammered, dude. It's a testament to the quality of the games, man. Yeah, you should pick it up again.
0: Indeed, it. Yeah, because I think... Um 100% at everything, but I need to go back and do a, a few of the
1: uh, what they um, Riddler trophies. Yeah, so I need yeah. Need to nail a few of them.
0: They're fucking annoying though. Jesus oh,
1: Christ! I did the first three games with all of them, like same as you. Mm-hmm. 100% at everything. And man, that is a that is a slog. <laughs> it is. You know, that is a slog, <laughs> but it's worth it. Well, yeah. R.I.P. Kevin Conroy. What a shame. But uh, yeah, we, we can still go back and enjoy a lot of his work um, throughout the Batman universe. Now. Let's get into Andor, episode 10 quick review and then we'll give it a quick score before we dive into some of these specifics. So we find this episode picking up after episode nine. So we've got, we've got Andor and, and generally the, 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 his, his level of the prison pretty much ready to break out. You know it, uh, the episode opens with a recap and opens with the fact that these these prisoners are told what has been going on, the massacre of the hundred people the fact that you're not really ever getting out of here, you're just getting transferred to other other levels or even other prisons, as it's, it's alluded to. And we see Cassian and his team and the people that are, that are around him really just have a plan, make the plan, strike quickly, strike fast, you know, strike hard, no mercy, Cassian Kai. And that's sort of the main plot. It was a lot of action. It was very, very good. We'll get to that. It ended with a bit of a, you know, almost a bit of a sort of, I wouldn't say a heartbreaker, but a bit of a, oh, are you kidding me? You know, so it sort of ended with that. And that that was really, there's not that much to say about that. Because it was just, it was the action piece, the set piece that we've been waiting for, for the last few episodes. And it, it delivered, it was fine, it was good. Um, the, the more interesting stuff, I think, well, not more interesting, but the, the more subtle stuff. I think in this, this episode is around Mon Mothma. Uh, so we find Mon Mothma meeting the dodgy underworld banker that Teo mentioned in the last episode. And uh, he comes at her with quite the offer. He will help her move her family's money into the new charitable, big air quotes, charitable organisation to cipher money into the new rebellion. But the cost of that is not financial. He wants his son to be betrothed to her daughter, which she turns down clearly. That is not the end of that story. And then, perhaps, the biggest part of this is the ISB closing in in this episode on Luthen and really kind of getting this feel for Ferrix and for uh, Aldani. So, for the, the, the raid that they did um, over on Aldani and linking and/or this thief from Ferrex through to the Aldani raid and then to Axis, which we know. The ISB is tracking someone called Axis, which we know is, of course, Luthen. So that net starts to close a little bit, but what we see, we get a couple of decent reveals in this. The first one is that the mustachioed fella in the ISB is actually a deeply embedded double agent from the Rebellion that's been there five or six years, in fact, probably beyond that, and he wants out. So he meets Luthen on on what appears to be some sort of Batman-esque gantry, and Luthen's dressed like Batman, which is weird. And you you were starting to see the character of Luther much more now, which is, I think a little bit of a surprise. Um, Certainly on the extremist side, certainly on the side of sort of vengeance and fear and, and, and and not doing things how Mon Mothma would do things, almost not doing things from a guerrilla perspective, like Saul Guerrero would do things almost playing into the emperor's hands by embracing all these elements of, of fear and the dark side and, all of these ideas that, um, you know, if, if, if it, the more I do this through hatred, the more that this will work when, you know, I saw an interesting piece earlier that, that alludes to the fact that the Emperor won't really get, give a shit about that because he knows that that's just feeding the dark side. So quite interesting nuance and layers to this, but the bottom line is this ISB double agent wants out. Luthan says basically, unknown no uncertain terms, if you try and get out, we'll probably kill your daughter. And it's, That's it's just pretty, it's pretty clear, you know, there's no real lines to read between on that one. Uh, And he gives this big old speech about what he sacrificed, blah, 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 blah. Um, So Luton's becoming this really well-rounded character. Um, So that's episode 10 in a nutshell. Um, Gaz, a couple of lines and your score. What did you think, dude? And where would you score it?
0: I think this was a very, very good episode. I think it was better than the last couple of weeks. The obvious reasons being a bit of action and a bit more character insight into um, into Luthen, And because of that, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10, this one. So I think the last couple of weeks, well, I've been around a 7, 7.5. Mm-hmm. So up a little bit for this one. And yeah, I thought um, the, the escape was expected. They couldn't drag that out anymore, really. I know a lot of people have said that Andor is a bit draggy, a bit paddy. Um, so whether you feel that or not, I, I, I don't think they could have done another episode with them lot just sitting around talking about escaping it out to be now. So so that was cool. And um yeah, I'm really liking Luthan's character, dude. What I really like about him is his brutal honesty. Mm. Um when when he feels like somebody's questioning his motives or why he's doing it. And uh and um and when he lays out all the sacrifices that he's made, like you said at the very beginning, he's basically saying uh this is the this is the crack with me, this is the crack with you we can't go anywhere. We're done. Essentially they're trapped within their, within their respective roles, I guess, you know, him and the ISB, him funding and trying to sort out the rebellion. So yeah, his character is rounding out really cool. And, um, it will come on to Mon Moth in a second, but I think it will be interesting to see what happens with him because we obviously don't hear about him at all in the later years, especially as we get closer to, um, to uh, a new hope and rogue one and stuff. So I'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he bows out whether he gets assassinated or whether he just buggers off or or whatever so yeah really liking his character dude and i love skarsgård's performance as well just really deep goes dark in
1: some places yeah man he's always magnetic and i agree man i I echo all those sentiments i uh yeah i'm I'm the same basically fully agree with everything same score give it an eight literally for all the same reasons um so the point on it being Paddy, I, I do I do understand that perspective, but I, I, it's a funny situation, isn't it? Because it's I don't think that the the story of the rebellion and you know, for the for, for for all of the galaxy, right, and for everyone that's not us watching this. So basically, the people involved in the galaxy, it can't just be there's a big bad guy that's got magic dark powers, because no one knows that. Like we said right at the beginning of this. It has to be oppression and tyranny and fascism and everything, and and that has to be visible. So I think for a lot of Star Wars fans, we're we're always seeing this through the eyes of Jedi and Sith. You know, these two opposing, very clear forces exist. And if you're this, then you're fighting this. And if you're this, then you're fighting this. And I'm interested in the way that Andor's doing this and some of the padding episodes I think are needed because they show why the rebellion exists. It's not about why the Jedi exist. It's why the rebellion exists, you know, because the rebellion aren't fighting the Sith. They're fighting the Emperor. And they're fighting Mm. the regime of the Empire. They're not fighting the Sith. And we know that if you take the Sith down, it just happens that the Sith are leading the Empire. But, you, you know, if it might not be. You could tell this entire story without the Jedi and the Sith and you wouldn't be able to tell those black and white, very simple binary stories. You'd have to tell a nuanced tale to, to show why oppression is is prevalent. And I think that's why Andor sometimes gets gets the feeling that it's padding. But it's for me, it's telling the tale that's never been told because it's it's almost, we said it last week, like it's sort of threading off from the prequels, from the political element of the prequels, not from the fantastical laser sword element of it. Um, so it has to have a couple of episodes or a few episodes where it's like, well, most people think this is all right because they're fine, they're not starving. Yeah, there's the odd planet, maybe one out of a hundred planets that are getting battered for the resources or enslaved or, you know, mining or whatever. But for the most part, if you keep your head down, it's probably all right. You yeah. know, and I think that's yeah. what it's done really quite nicely. And I think that last episode which led into this one, and, and, and I think this episode benefited from the last episode, that naivety around, of course we'll get out, of course the sentences are going to be run down, and of course it'll be fine at the end of it, because that's how it works. And for them to see, no, 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 this is actually bullshit, you're just going to get transferred, like this is genuine enslavement, I think they needed some of those episodes. So it's, um, I, I don't think this episode could have been an eight, Without the other sevens before it, if that makes any sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, perfect sense. Yeah. And I think a lot of TV shows fall into that trap
0: relatively quickly. I remember going, I remember feeling this back in the day watching, I say back in the day, it's not that long ago, but when Arrow first came out,
1: the first yeah, two, yeah, yeah, yeah. like
0: one or two seasons of Arrow were solid because it was all about the, the, the main character and a couple of just supporting characters, and you saw him go through like relationships with them and his struggles and all that sort of thing and then in the later seasons they were just like bang 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 like throwing all these other characters and didn't give you enough breathing room and time to connect with those characters so and a bit later on from that when one of them died or something happened you didn't really feel you didn't feel much because there was no room to to explain what was going on and and have that breathing room so i think by doing that in the last couple of episodes like you said to have those not poor episodes by any means, but just have um, like the sevens scores sort of knocking around for a bit. You need to realise why. I think that's the biggest thing, I guess, right? You need to understand why somebody is doing this. It isn't just about, um, I was born with magical powers and now I want to align myself with the goodies and I'm going to go off and fight the baddies. It can't just be that because... Um, And I I honestly don't think that George even wanted it to be about that to begin with. I think he genuinely wrote this political drama and just happened to be, you know, I want to make a fun kid story, so I need to sprinkle over, you know, some of that stuff. And I think Andor is like the reverse of what we've seen over the last couple of decades with Star Wars, where things have been very cool, obviously, the the things that we've had, especially some of the video games and stuff. But it really feels like Andor is rooted in really relatable stuff you know especially like you know we're we're fairly fortunate i would say in that we don't have to go through any of that but there are definitely places where people are watching this on disney plus in their respective countries where they have that oppression and have all that shit going on and they're like you know what this isn't a million miles from the truth what we're seeing so by the by not having the emperor walking around all gloomy and Giving us his big grand plans of Sith and all that stuff, and any Jedi knocking around, it really gives you that sense of, okay, this is enslavement, like you said, and we really want them to get out. But what do they do after that? So we want another couple of episodes to go through what Cassian's going to do after that, and what does Luthen do now that um, what's his name, uh, Lonnie from the ISB, basically because he's going to crumble. You could tell that guy is going to go back with his big giant mustache and be like Miro. Yep, stuff's going down. And she's going to look at him a certain way and he's going to crumble and then that's going to be game over. So you can tell that's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I think uh, the 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 dark nature of it and the fact that it's rooted in like so much relatable stuff politically, it just gives it this, like, yeah, we need those episodes. We need a bit of... People will call it Paddy. People will definitely say that. It's slow and Paddy, but no way, dude. No way. This is some of the best... Tell, like some of the best backstory stuff that I think Star Wars needs. And I think it also, <clears throat> it just makes the appeal of the upcoming Acolyte show even more because mm. we don't want to see any more. I say that's not true. We do want to see that stuff, but we do want to see some other bits and bobs that are knocking around that's not Jedi stuff.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, man, because the Acolyte feels like it's pure Sith stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that is going to be, Related to Palpatine, I really do, just because of where it's sat. It's at the end of the High Republic. It's the the beginning of the age of 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 uh, the Republic as we knew it in the prequels. You know, it, it's Palpatine. I'm almost sure this will be a, at least a Palpatine tale, if not introduce someone like a Plagueis. I would be shocked because of the time frame if we don't get, it. and if it's not those two, it will be the Sith immediately preceding them. In my opinion, just because of the timings, you know, because to me it's the doubt, it becomes that fall of the High Republic and it's the end of the High Republic that leads into then this Age of the Jedi that we see throughout the prequels and just before that. Um, And you're right, I think about the, I suppose the intent of Lucas, in my view, you know, there's a reason that the prequels were written like they were written. You know, he told the story. And, you know, regardless of how you, you view the execution of that story, it's rich and it's deep. And it's because it's rooted in, 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 in the way that things work in reality. Because I think a lot of the other saga stuff that we see, the Skywalker saga stuff, all you see in there is the one or two grand gesture inflection points. You know, you see f- in the fall of Anakin Skywalker, that happens like once. You know, you see the rise of Luke Skywalker, that happens once. You see the fall of the Empire happened once, you know, and it's, this to me feels very much like the day-to-day, you know, his grand plan, Palpatine, was always take over the galaxy, become the Emperor, right, well, what you've done that, now what you got to do, well, you got to run the thing, you know, now what, there's not another grand plan, it's not, like, that was the plan, and the plan now mm-hmm. is just to stay in power, so what you got to do, well, you got to do the day-to-day, and when you've... When you feel things are slipping, you got to tighten the grip a little bit. And so, so it's yeah. Star Wars fans are funny. Like I've seen a lot in the comments of some sites where I just I'm getting to the point now where I just feel like you cannot win with Star Wars fans. If you do a lot of Jedi stuff, it's oh, fan service, fan service. There's nothing original. Then you do something original. No, oh, it's too slow. It's done. Oh, no, Up the day. It's rubbish. It's too slow. It's terrible. It's not start. And you're like, well, what the what the fuck do you want? <laughs> like, just you oh, yeah. almost. And it's funny because when you read the comments, they don't know what they want. If you if if, if uh, they they don't know how to fix it. They just oh, I don't know. I just don't like this. Like, well, you you know what I mean? It's sort of weird. I, I think. We've got yeah. this embarrassment of riches we content these days, and people get a bit enti- feel a bit entitled, don't they? Which is really weird, man.
0: Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, entitlements like the one thing that's going to wind me up about anything. Finn hate that. Yeah, so <laughs> it is weird, and I I do get the feeling. I'm not sure about the the more mature Star Wars fans among us, like our age, who um who are not like us, that are not hungry for some of the backstory. But I, I definitely get the feeling that they're going to be a bunch of Star Wars fans of in the younger generation, in their teens now, that don't really want to watch Andor because they feel it's just a more grown-up-y, sort of slow thing. But they do love the whole, you know, I want to you know, play Battlefront and blast stuff and use a lightsaber and see all the Jedi, um, Sith stuff. I want to do all that. I think in about in 10 years' time, they're going to have a moment when they're like, F me, this stuff is brilliant because I loved all of the stuff around this when I was younger. This, this is now opening my eyes a little bit more to what was going on. I honestly feel like there's going to be a generation of people that have skipped Andor for that very reason. They don't want to, you know, they just want to see laser swords, as you put it, and, and all that jazz. And then they're going to go back and be like, fucking hell, this is good. This is really good. And then Rogue One will have an even bigger appreciation because they just viewed it as a, as a bit of a spinoff at the time. So um, yeah, you know, uh, it's clear that we've got a lot of love for Andor. That's definite. Um, what did you um? What did you think to this Mon, Mon, Mon Mothma stuff, then, buddy? Because we haven't spoken about her mm-hmm. yet. Um, I will. I reckon because you mentioned, I think, an episode or two previously that it's going to be her daughter that snitches on her for something. This is leading. You're right, dude. I think. I think she's going to have no choice. She's going to be backed into such a corner that Luthan's going to be like, well, I told you this was coming. You knew, I, I told you like ages ago that there's going to come a point where you cannot hide and this is going to be the step towards that. You're going to have to do it. And so she's going to have to take this guy's offer. She's, the daughter's going to, you know, meet up with, the, with his son and then that's going to slip out and then that dude's going to be like, right, gotcha. You know what I mean? So she's to have no choice but then to back out of all the senator stuff and and do the off, which is probably season two stuff. I realized that, but, um, but i i love her performance, man. Every episode, she's been bang on solid with this smiley false, you know, mm. giving it biggins like, yeah, the Senate's amazing and I'm doing great work and charity and all that stuff. And then when she's having certain little conversations with people, especially, um, the guy that's helping her at the moment to try and shift the money, um, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, Tallow, Tallow, yeah. And uh, yeah, her, her performance is just amazing. Mm. So what do you reckon to her, dude? Because
1: you can tell she's going to be in it <laughs> pretty soon. Yeah, I, I think that might be one of the, the catalysts for season two. Um, I, 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 I'd, I'd be surprised if we don't see the snitching at the end of season one and that's the cliffhanger. Or that it's one of the cliffhangers, you know, and that because... Season two, I think, from from what Tony Gilroy says, will jump every, I think, is it every three or four episodes? So it's another 12 episodes, and I don't know if it's f- sort of a four-parter with three-episode jumps, or whether it's a 3 part with four-episode jumps, but there are significant time jumps to lead into Rogue One. And we know by the time Rogue One comes around, Mom Mothma's on Yavin 4, and we know that Yavin is in this, blah, blah, blah. So... It's gonna to need to move quickly, and i i I would imagine that the next episode we're gonna to start to see her realizing that she can't do it without this going on, and it either the snitching either happens at the very end of this season or it happens at the very the very beginning the first three episodes of the next season um and we see that journey. For her, you know, that, 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 because they sort of alluded to it yesterday. You know, look at the the, the guy that came over, whatever his name was, he came over and he's like, Oh, this is all really nice. She's like, Yeah, but it's all Senate stuff. We can't, I can't change the decor. You know, it's she, the, the, the very carefully laying these pieces saying she's actually sort of a bit of a prisoner in this. She's, she's in here and it looks brilliant, but it's, you know, it's almost like house arrest, but not, you know, it's almost like planet arrest or, you know, she's in this lifestyle arrest where she's got to live in this box and she's always been watched. Um, Mm. So yeah, I think it's really good, man. I I think it's really good. And it's one of those, again, it's one of those things where you you can see why people would complain that it's slow, but then what, how, uh, it needs to be. You know, Mm. when the daughter sells her out, it has to be a, oh, shit, I'm leaving the family And the husband's a dick, but he's still my husband, and we've now got the background on this sort of arranged marriage, and because you know everyone's thinking, well, what's what's the deal? Is it just a sour marriage? Is it what's the? But it's not. It's this sort of arrangement. Um, So all these seeds are being sown, and all these pieces are being put in, so that when the thing happens, you know, because the husband's got to side with the daughter inevitably. You know, the husband is not going to say to fund your quote unquote charity, your rebellion, I'm going to give my daughter away. He's just going to say, no, it's me and the daughter and you, and that's the split, you know? So it's, and I think it takes time to build those relationships up because you're going to be, you're going to see for me that my Mothma almost doesn't give a crap about binning the husband off, but it's the daughter, Mm. you know? And it's sort of, well, you can't have one without the other. Um, So it's really fascinating. Genevieve O'Reilly plays it so well. Um, and I I think she's almost at risk of getting Anakin a little bit, getting Hayden Christiansen a little bit because it's, you know, you could see some people, I'm not saying people are saying this, I've not seen it. And we are certainly not saying it, but you could see the argument. Some people are, well, she's a little bit wooden because all she does is smile. And all she does is play it straight and safe. And yeah, that's the point. She's acting. The actor is acting out someone who is also acting. You know, we've only seen flashes of the real Mon Mothma. So, and it's those layers, I think, that are really, really good. Um, So it's, yeah, I think it's fascinating, man. And I think it's, I think it's really interesting. I think she's doing such a good job. And, um, yeah, to that point as well. So how are you, so the same question, but not again, not for Mon Mothma. This time with like the ISB and the Empire. Like, how do you feel that's playing out? How do you like those characters? How do you like the the, the ISB characterization as an organization? Um, and, and also, by extension, the way that, like, the prisons are being run under the ISB rule. Like, how are you liking that side of things?
0: Mm. Yeah, so the ISB is an interesting one because it's something that we've not seen on the nose as much prior to this. We've only seen little bits and bobs. In rebels and some of the books and whatnot, so we knew going in beforehand that these were, um, you know, fairly unpleasant people to deal with, and and uh, so now that we're seeing it firsthand in front of us, it fe- it really feels like the it really feels like the writers have nailed that. Vo- like uh, Tony Gilroy has just nailed the the, the crap rolls downhill basically so you've got um you've got the emperor that's obviously doing all of this stuff at a top level and every every single layer that's underneath him so vader and then the inquisitors i guess and you know all that stuff that comes underneath that you can tell that the the wi- what's the best way to put it the wider the pyramid gets the more widespread um the the tyranny I guess is spread throughout everything and I think the ISB in this is really just getting that so right where there's no because you know in some I I can't think of any examples off the top of my head but you sometimes get these layerings in other shows where you've got some bad dude at the top and then underneath that within the ranks you have like yeah they're following his lead but you have like a good egg in there somewhere or you have like you know uh, somebody that wants to enforce it but doesn't want to be a dicker but you know that kind of narrative with this you don't see any of that at all the only person that's even remotely like that is lori who's lonnie sorry who's the um the plant by the uh by the rebellion but everyone else has just got this real focused like the the galaxy is not going to play up sort of thing and we'll be really harsh and just fucking sort it all out so i think they're i think tony gilwell has written the isb to be absolutely as you would as you need them to be so the emperor's reign palpatine's reign whatever from the top is trickled down and like the dudes that are in charge are like "Yep, yeah, we are fully on board fully into it so yeah i'm loving the isb dude i think it's such a relief to see another part of the empire that's running the show at that level um that's not like you know stormtroopers or the imperial guard or whatever it might be so yeah i'm loving that dude and then by extension um uh the um the the prisons and how they're run it's like i think you just nailed it earlier dude i think it's like just enslaving people i think they did they 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 ruled with more of a um mess with their heads rather than physically abusing them because I think with most other things you saw a lot of physical brutality from stormtroopers and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, But with the prison guards and everything, if I remember correctly, when Cassian first goes in, one of the lead guards says to him, you'll probably notice that we don't have many weapons and all that stuff, but the floor, like, you know, you're going to be electrocuted if you step out of line sort of thing. That's like the psychological um, thing that's keeping them all locked up essentially because they could have broken out ages ago if they knew what they know now which is beauty of hindsight they would have broken out years ago but it's that psychological thing so yeah the, the prison stuff it's all brutal stuff man but you can tell that the it's all trickled down from the emperor and it's all evil and you know barbaric and stuff so i think it's written brilliantly dude i love it
1: yeah i agree i agree man all right so the last thing kino loy Andy circus, old Schmieger's knocking around everywhere. He's finally on board. <laughs> Does a lot of shouting. But he's finally on board. And I think it's interesting because he needed to be on board, you know, for the men to believe that what Andor was saying was true, that he needed to be on board. And he leads this charge, you know. Andor is 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 being positioned as this leader, you know. This you need to, he even says to him, you know, you need to tell the men. And is that the best you've got? You know, so he's been positioned as this leader, almost this sort of, you know, this generalissimo in in the rebellion. Um, And then we get to the point where everyone does break out and it's almost, we find ourselves on this almost camino esque planet where it's just wet through and it's all ocean. And then the revelation, you know, everyone's lemmings straight in, you know, from the (laughs) weirdly imperial shaped prison, imperial Mm. logo shaped prison, bizarre. You can imagine that design, can't you? I've got, uh, Emperor, I've got some designs for you. Love them. Love them. One small tweak, yeah? Make the entire thing an Imperial logo. What? And make it pop. Yeah. Make <laughs> the logo bigger. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, Off it goes. It's old Galen. What's his name? Galen <laughs> yeah. So He's like, a oh, fucking death Star to start build. <laughs> Making the logo bigger. Anyway. <laughs> So they get out there, they're all lemons and into the water to escape, which I've got some thoughts on. And we find out that Kino Loy cannot bloody swim. So we are led to believe that he stays there and, you know, he's either going to, that's either the end of him as we'll see him, or we'll find out that someone actually pulled him to shore, which is like the common sense thing. If you say you can't swim, if you jump in and there are 200 other people with you, and you're flapping around. One would think that two or three of them are band together and help you out. You would assume. You so assume,
0: yeah.
1: That's that's a bit of a weird plot all. um Or he's going to get captured, interrogated, blah 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 blah. We'll see. Um, mm. So that was quite. It was it was an all right little moment. It was sort of a weird plot hole Like we'll just get in. Someone will carry you. We, you know, if you're that desperate to escape, you've already said you're dead anyway. Like what have you got to lose? Um, that minor plot hole aside, it was quite a nice little thing to see him like, oh, shit, I've done all this. I finally jumped and, and and gone into this with you, Cassian, and so on. And now I'm sort of screwed. Like, the one thing I didn't anticipate, I'm sort of screwed. So it was it was all right. A quite cool little thing. Um, so the first question, yeah, all right. What did you think of that? The second question is a quick follow. up. We had to get Andor and Melshi on shore because Melshi's in Rogue One. Um so it had to be those two escaping at some point, either together or with other people. But I don't know about you. But when they came to that prison planet, it didn't look to me like there was much land knocking about, right? And when they zoomed out, like I've been to Alcatraz, right? You don't do great at escaping from there. It's only happened once, and it's a big ass swim to get back to San Francisco Bay, right? Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Welcome to The Rock. Well, thanks. What are you saying that for? You're a prisoner. You're not a tour guide, are you? So, and then, like, they must have swum, man. That's a distance. They must have swum. Like, big time to -hmm. get to that. And where was everyone else? Like... You know what I mean? There's uh, some yeah. weird, tiny, little <laughs> plot holes in that. Just that little bit. So, what do you think of the Kino Loy thing? And then just that whole sequence seemed to be just weirdly minor little plot holes. Nothing major, <laughs> but just weird little ones. Yeah, it
0: was a bit. Um, was a bit weird, wasn't it? So the Kino thing. It was one of those facepalm moments that everybody was watching yeah. probably did at the same time. It was like, you're kidding me, right? And the thing is, maybe that fed into him alongside this belief that he's going to be released soon, which is why he's such a hard-ass. Maybe that fed into it as well, perhaps. Like, knowing that if the, the escape plan went went to, to plan, there's no way that he would be able to dive off and, and swim anywhere. So he's just happy to keep his ass quiet, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, it was just a facepalm moment, and you're like, fucking oh, hell. Just jump, dude. Just what you got yeah. to lose. You know, you either stay here, you probably get killed. Because they've... 'Cause they left the two guards in the control room, didn't they? So they've obviously mm. called for backup. So someone's on the way. So he either gets killed or or you drown. You just sort of pick your poison, I suppose. So yeah, it was a mm. it was a funny one. And then the plot points with the swimming and stuff, I mean yeah, dude. Anyone that swam <laughs> anyone that swam the channel here in the UK, so between uh, the UK and France will know that's a slog, man, and that's a long. So the the zoomed out shot that you mentioned is like the channel times fifty. In it's interest. like how the hell are they how the hell are they swimming for hours in it? So I would imagine a lot of them died. I don't know if there's sharks on this planet, but that's probably a that might have been a thing. Maybe like you know whatever weird creature you want to concoct in the Star Wars universe that lives underwater on that planet. It's probably feasted on them. And then are we suggesting that Cassian and the other dude are the last two? Are they did they make it? Or has everyone just split up and they've all gone to their different respective land masses? I don't know, but...
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what's weird, weird. isn't it? Yeah. It's like... (laughs) And granted, you you saw them all, you know, there was like one group of 50 going one way, one group of 50 going the other way. Are you supposed to think they'd all died? (laughs) Do you know um, what I mean?
0: Well, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, there's, is Cassian one of the survivors and that's it? All the rest of them drowned and they exhausted yeah. and that sort of thing. Or did they all make it? And it's going to be a party somewhere and then they're going to be recaptured again and, because the backups turned up. I don't
1: know. I love that. Like they're going to have like a, a Ewok style end of return of the Jedi party. <laughs> like the all the music yeah. and all the fires <laughs> and they get <laughs> the freaking marshmallows out and all that shit. And then it's like, oh, actually a, yep. a little bit early well here come the tie fighters <laughs> see you later it's been yeah, good. One, of,
0: one of them looks like a tie bomber as well so oh, this was a bad idea we peaked early yeah <laughs> Jesus Christ yeah but I would say that a lot of them drowned which is a bit morbid to say but there's no yeah. way that all of them because some of them were quite old as well like the other dude the dude that died Some of them were like his age as well and, you know, all that stuff. So not all of them made it, I'm sure.
1: Well, we'll see. I think we'll find out a little bit more about that over the next two episodes. All right, let's stick a pin in it. Um, It's been interesting. It's been interesting. It's sort of, again, I don't know, Andor's been one of those things where there's been not that much to say about it because it's just nice storytelling. It's like, you know, with The Mandalorian and, and even with Boba Fett, you're like, ooh, is that going to be a sucker? Is that going to be such and such? It's not. It's not. It's just like, <laughs> here's the story. <laughs> like we had that earlier on where we thought, oh, is it Leia that she's going to introduce this, that, and the other? It's not. It's just a guy that can help with the banking. And I think as, as, as frustrating as that can be as a fan, because you almost want fan service, I think it's good on reflection that Andor's doing that and it's telling its own story because it's not weighed down by the fact that, oh, Leah would have longer hair at that point in the timeline. Shut up, Dave. Put your trousers on and get out of your basement, you jerk. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're just... It's, it's, I think it's stopping a lot of that toxicity that comes with, you know, being laden with characters. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. But yeah, we'll see what next week brings. We will see what the finale brings in just two weeks' time. But let us know what you thought of and episode 10. Did you enjoy the escape? Did you enjoy the prison break? Or are you thinking to yourself it could have benefited from a little more Michael Schofield? We shall see. Let us know on Twitter, sparkrebellioncom slash Twitter. All right, dude, always a pleasure. Thank you for, uh, thank you for joining me, and you know, thank you for having me this week. It's always fun, and I'll uh, see your bad self next week, man.
0: Indeed, yeah, thank you very much, dude. Thank you to your, um, to your insight, as usual, and your, your big old brain spinning some stuff out. It's all good. Thank you very much, Star Wars listener, Spark of Rebellion listener. It was great to have you here once again. We will see you next time, next week, for our review of episode 11. Until then, take care of yourselves, and may the Force be with you always.